Maybe if you have any questions you'd like to um, bring up. Yeah. When I'm on longer retreats, I almost always take the eight precepts. But I have to say, I continue to be somewhat confused by how to really practice the last three. I mean, there's no choice of what bed to sleep in on a retreat. (laughs) And, you know, I can not wear earrings, you know, um, and I can't even remember what what the third one is. Oh, eating supper, nothing, you know. Um, so maybe I, I don't have the spirit of it. I think you kind of touched on it when you were mm-hmm. talking before. Mm-hmm. And if you could say a little bit more about that. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the seventh, uh, refrain from entertainment, beautification, and adornment. So it's primarily, it's, uh, uh, an attitude and, uh, a um, inclination. So, for example, if you're going around dolling yourself up, <laughs> well, yeah, good for you. <laughs> so dwell in it. And also, it, you know, to bear in mind that if one, you know, also what, 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 what you're signaling to other people with, say, attractive clothing or things that emphasize one's body or one's skin or one's hair or whatever, you know. And it's one of the fundamental reasons for clothing, you know, it it certainly is keeping you warm, but a lot of it's just about sending out particular signals. And even if your mind isn't at that moment doing the signals, your clothes do, or your earrings do, or your jewelry does, or (laughs) you think, hey, I didn't realize you were actually broadcasting <laughs> so one of the themes is to deliberately you know signal you know we're switching all that off you know both for yourself you're not putting any attention into it and you're also generating a sphere where those that those visual signals are not you know being part going around entertainment the the what is entertaining you know well it means essentially the, the distracting, the, the getting away from my, from touching my stuff, so I just absorb into something else. Distraction, purification, adornments. So it's it's all this that that misdirects the mind, and if one isn't doing that, then one should, in fact, is encouraged to reflect upon it and feel the coolness and the peace and the ease of that. Now, I am free from being concerned what other people see of me, you know. It, it's, it's not a deal. <laughs> yeah, and that's great. I don't know, you know, if you got your hair all messed up, that's fine. No hair, fine. Half hair, fine. <laughs> uh, so it's just using clothing for warmth and modesty. Mm. The other precept, high luxurious beds. Well, who do you think had a high luxurious bed in 5th century BC India? Most people. 
kings. Nobody even had a bed, I shouldn't imagine. <laughs> she was just on the floor, on the dirt. <laughs> so what this is about is a sign of, of overindulgence. So even when I was going, uh, walking in India, and you might be invited into a person's house, the beds were basically a plank of wood. That was your standard bed. This is 1990s. Actually, it's the same today. So high luxurious bed is, is you know, really um, extravagant. So we try to rephrase that as uh, indulgence, lolling around, furnishing, just lolling, lolling around so you're not really aware of your body anymore. Um, um, you're not cultivating um, bodily awareness. It's taking away bodily awareness, taking away the body's ability to be, just the vigor of, of Standing, sitting, walking, you know, it's, it's your body, you're, you're in your body, you're not dissolving it into a couch. And then if you want to sleep, you, you realize it's the energy needs to, to take a rest, you recline on something that will carry your weight, make, make it able to sleep, and that's it. Which could be different for different people. You know, if you've got a sick body, you might need a thicker, but the purpose is just to take a rest and sleep, not to all around in it. So if you're not doing that, this is good. And to realize one is, you know, taking away some of the, the curtains from over one's awareness. Yeah. I have never understood uh, so much uh about one aspect about uh, the giving dana, and that is, uh, it, it seems to uh, suggest that how evolved the person is to whom you're giving determines uh, the merit of your own action. Yeah, yeah. And I find that surprising time and time again. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so I wish you would say more about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Remember here, giving will mostly be food, shelter, uh, and so forth. And those things are offered, or hospitality is offered, or healing is offered. And the theme would be, very practically, if you give this to a person who keeps precepts, they're not going to blow it on, on alcohol. Uh, they might, by sustaining their life, you're, you're in a way investing in a, in a virtue being who can transmit virtue. If you're giving it to a person who doesn't keep precepts, then you're investing your resources in something which will either, will not bring goodness into the world. So in terms of the cosmic law, uh, what you're trying to do is empower and support those beings who can most adequately bring goodness into the world, simply speaking. Mm. That, that's, that's the logic of it. 
you know, who can hold, sustain, embody, bring forth spiritual values because that will be for the long-term benefit of everyone. Yeah. Connecting what you were saying when we began this afternoon, speaking about uh, the embodiment and the energy and so on, and also this aspect of giving that is hand-to-hand, the kind of energy flow at that moment of giving contact. Two questions arise uh, for me right now. Um, one is that the, it points to the uh, interpersonal, social, relational aspect of the energy. Mm-hmm. And so in a situation like a monastic you know, sangha, vihara, a living situation where all of these people are together, um, it, perhaps there's something that you might say about the energetic benefits of that, or not, not you know, the, the development of one's mind, the movement towards release, the benefits of that mm-hmm. of somatically and so on, energetically. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether actual meditation practice in the proximity of or with others is a part of that energetic flow. That was the first question. And then the second one is a little more um, practical because knowing this teaching about the direct giving, not having others do it, um, it troubles me when I just donate by a credit card thing online. Or even when I offer Donna by putting it in a box. All of these uh, kind of disconnected, but it gets really extreme if you just do a wire transfer to a institution, you know what I mean? And yet there's good there, but it's disconnected. So those are two separate mm-hmm. questions, but mm-hmm. they're in the same ballpark. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What? Mm. Well, I think being in the uh, vicinity or participating in uh, a context where uh, Dhamma is, is practiced thoroughly and upheld and taught and so on um, will generate obvious energetic effects such as maybe people are not rushing around jabbering at each other um, there's perhaps we move into you know being organic carbon bodies rather than trying to become silicon machines you know the, the way of speaking the diminution of jolting like crashing sounds it's very smoother it's a smoother domain the voices are generally measured more temperate um, inflections of violence abusiveness um, hopefully <laughs> minimal or nil. Uh, so over a period of time, somatically, uh, the body starts to relax and feel free, feel its armoring dissolves. And the heart rises up by being in that domain, such a domain. And also when it's hopefully being given instructions on how to notice that, dwell in it, and also contribute to it 
So you're not just soaking it up by enacting it, you're letting those energies run through you in a much more potent way. So it's fine, you know, it's good to say visit a place or, or see other people doing it, that's good. Even better, see other people doing it and join in because then it's going to run right through your body in a much more fully vigorous way and it's going to start to shift those qualities of nervousness, self-consciousness, oh, how am I doing, what do people think of me, you know, am I welcome here, all that stuff. It's going to start to clean that out and that's for one's welfare and benefit. It means one's, you know, the, 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 the texture of one's embodiment becomes more open and free to absorb through reducing that. Um, and yeah, so I think that's the case. I think even animals you know, will generally recognize, hey, we don't get shot here. <laughs> and they start to come around and become tamer. And that's definitely the case one sees. And it doesn't, it's, you know, it's not that difficult thing to <laughs> to recognize, um, you know, other, in very, when they're very powerful um, teachers or, or beings who've powerfully developed, then again the stories are that you know, people read minds, you know, or they can somehow, their energies really start to work on your, your mind. Um, in in a helpful way, uh, and th that's also the case. Second question. Would you give me it again? Yeah, it oh, Dana with a credit card, telly. Yeah, yeah. the teleological domain in which we live. <laughs> well, there we are. You know, <laughs> that's what we live in. We live in a. Uh, a kind of disembodied, dislocated reality. <laughs> uh, and yeah. And I would just redress because obviously in the suttas they didn't have credit cards or anything like that. So, you know, how would you not give it by hand? Whereas here, the thing is, how do how would you how would you give it by hand? <laughs> so I, I think you say, well, yeah, but this is where we are now, and that's the that's a, still a good thing to do. Um, yeah, and an acknowledgement. So um, again, what what our practice in the monastery is, we have particular, you know. Rec cards of recognition, someone's making a donation, it doesn't matter, it'd be five pounds, ten pounds, and then the abbot would sign it. So everybody gets a deliberate handwritten signature, thank you, Joseph, thank you for this, and it's signed. It's not a photocopy, the per sign it by hand, I've done them, you know, and they'll sign hundreds of them. Some sense of there was a real person here who, who knew your name, called you by name, put the name on it. Yeah. To to minimise that distancing effect. Sometimes it feels like um, 
<clears throat> not just self-conscious, but self-congratulatory if I'm making a donation or something to the Sangha. Mm. And I kind of want to, I let Ajahn know, but I sort of feel better like leaving it by the shed. And then if they get it for what you know they need, and I don't have to feel like I'm sort of, then I start questioning my motivation if I do this overt kind of statement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can understand that. You know, because you can see these things that the person might assume I'm, that I'm looking for praise, or I'm looking to get in his good books, I'm looking to get a favor from him, or, he, you know, I feel awkward. And, um, yeah. Uh. Self-consciousness is a burden. It is a burden. It may be worthwhile bearing in mind uh, that uh, he'll be very glad to see you. <laughs> Not because you've given such a lot, but the connection is, is gladdening. You know, to, to get together around a moment of goodness is gladdening for recipient and donor. If you look at, you know, if you get self-conscious about what people think of me, uh, it's not going to work out <laughs> at all. <laughs> Just think of them. <laughs> and maybe, you know, if somebody left something by my door, I'd kind of want to know, who did that? And, oh, who did, was it John? Was it Derek? Well, I wonder who gave that. I'd really like to you know, to, to, to somehow to participate in the enjoyment of it. It's, it's something to bear in mind, work with. Uh, on the same topic, <laughs> I guess mm -hmm. it's a topic, but I have always been taught to, I just remembered it, to give by hand. Mm -hmm. So I tend... Well, I don't drive across country to do it, but you know, if I'm in the area, I give by hand. But people don't know what to do with that because I recently gave a donation um, and they forgot it in the lockbox for six weeks <laughs> because it wasn't the usual means of... <laughs> and so when I didn't get any acknowledgement, I kind of tracked it down and said, well, did you get this? And uh, they went, hmm, let's see. And they went, oh, it's in a lockbox. <laughs> because now I feel a little discouraged. <laughs> yeah. And so at the other end of that, what, how would you, not self-conscious, I don't feel I did anything wrong, but um, discouraged, like really like, well, don't mm -hmm. do this. We would rather you send your credit card. So. Nobody said that. But. Uh, well, yeah, I think the art of receiving has been ne has been neglected. Yeah, and that's a there's a deficit. Giving tends to be paying. Receiving is just put it in the account. Even whatever it said, you know, but but 
people often don't really understand the art of receiving, the skill of receiving, the blessing of receiving. And that's, that's, a, that's a, a, a defect. And, as to what you can do about it, I don't know. But I, I, without sounding like you're being petty or throwing a tiz, you know, <laughs> you didn't receive my name. <laughs> I'm so special, you know, my 50 bucks or something. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think, I think it's, it is, it is sad. It's saddened, saddening. Uh, the, the, the loss of human connection. I was glad I could track it down because I began to think I was having loss of memory. And um, I felt afterwards, as well as being saddened, discouraged from doing it again, I think I'll send a check. <laughs> um, but I felt I, <laughs> what I expected back was an apology note. And didn't get it. That, yes, that would have been appropriate. Oh, okay, thank you. I Inappropriate. Didn't. And to apologize is just to, it's not a whole kind of guilt trip, it's just to recognize, yeah, we hear what you say, and to say, oh, this is what we do, and yeah, we'll, we'll take note of that. Thank you for the information, would be the apology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we want to know what, what the effects are. If it's a, particularly if it's a, it's a wealth, if it's a dana system, or if it's a... a uh, dumber place, I think they should be informed as to what gives the best results. And this doesn't give the best results. So I think they should understand what gives the best results. But what if they don't? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I have not said anything. I'm just going, what oh, I'm glad you tracked that down because I don't want to make waves. But is it appropriate to say something? Or Well, I, I, <clears throat> I've run that over. Um, maybe not, huh? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I think some things are best... Uh, well, actually physically saying them, seeing somebody physically, rather than writing a letter. You know, humanly. Yes. Some know. things, difficult things, don't think they should be dealt with in emails or letters. Yes, that's very helpful. <laughs> yeah. If, so if it's a possibility, you know, it would be nice to talk about this and in a reasonable human way. And for, so because you want to actually help them to, to do it better, not because you're peeved. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm wondering um, uh, it, when this is a bit of a this is a different topic, but um, when you're with somebody who is not able to kind of connect with their own goodness um, or seems unable to, and um, and generally these are people I care about because I'm with them, right? Mm-hmm. So. And particularly, it's it's particularly poignant when it's family, you know, mm. because there's that connection, that deep bond. And um, so of late, I've 
um, in, in particular when I have a sense that there's um, not much receptivity to being reminded of their goodness or their skill or their capability. I've just taken to listening. And, um, and not really as a saintly move, <laughs> but only because I really don't have anything else. You know what I mean? I've tried everything that I think is in my, you know, capacity to offer. And, and, and so and there's really nothing that's, you know, hitting the mark. So I, so I listen. Um, and in a, in a couple of cases, there have been, there's been movement that's been lovely. Mm-hmm. And in, in some cases, it seems rather intractable. You know, mm-hmm. like, or maybe it's just that there's a long trajectory and, and mm-hmm. more patience is needed. But it feel, it, so it feels as though there can be a lot of like um, reworking the same ground. You know, I, I, the, the story almost seems to get more embedded. Um, and I'm not sure, but there's just retelling, you know, a lot of telling of the same story of not being good, not being capable. Um, mm. So then, so anyway, then I, you know, I watch like worry sometimes arise that, oh, maybe somehow listening is um, allowing this to take a deeper hold. Um, but again, not really having any other thing to offer except for, you know, as much compassion and as much listening as I can bring. Mm. Well. <clears throat> Certainly, you know, verbal is one thing, emotion is another thing, but I mean, really, a person has to get it in their body. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, they just, the body closes, closes down. And that's part of the um, unfortunate results of lack of cultivation is the body closes. So it, it, all you have is your is your tape loops. <laughs> and that's not good. Mm. So if a person, you know, we can physically get people to physically do stuff that's good. Physically feel it in their hands, and physically, you know, get it to a very almost like a playful level of it. This is how children learn, or we should learn through play, through getting it in our bodies, and that's the best way to learn to get it really, really in there. Um, you know, what is healing about? Uh, it should be about actual holding, physically, physical contact. Holding, that's and you know, the more so something of that domain, but it's that's where it would be able to to get past the mental programs. You know, like I think this is what going out, uh, you know, actually enacting something. So it just comes to mind, I was recollecting when I was in South Africa, a man who'd worked in 
conflict resolution. Uh, and so conflict resolution in South Africa was not arguments, it was bullets and spears. It was a conflict. <laughs> so there were, at this time there was uh, the Inkata Zulu people were, were on one part and the, and the Kosa um, African National Congress were a different group. And they were, there was bloodbaths going on between these two groups. And the young males would be the way that young males can be fired up. And so this man decided, he was, was a uh, conflict resolution person, so he had to, you know, there's no point talking this through. Yeah. So, so, you know, we have to. They agreed that six young men from each side, and he said, we, we go out into the wilderness together. And no guns, and no, no spears. You've got to put them down. So they go out into the, have to get together in the wilderness. Now, it wasn't they had a huge amount of goodness to recollect. <laughs> but just in that, they had to cooperate. They had to help each other. And they had to be outside of their tape loops because you've got to keep your eyes open for what's going on. And it has an amazing effect of like a week or so of living like that. And it wasn't they were all great friends, but they, they gave them the chance to see, to realize there was actually a space in their mind between, before a reaction occurred and it could be checked. You didn't actually have to kill this guy as soon as you saw him. <laughs> you could feel that and let it pass. So, you know, and that was no, wasn't done verbally. It was done by bringing them very much back into an embodied, shared embodied domain, whereby people have to physically operate in some cooperative. Uh, because the qualities of virtue are ludicrously simple as ideas. Why, you know, and yet they're not that difficult. But it's getting out of the, the infected tape loops of emotional and psychological uh, um, reactivity that keep them all going. And certainly jamming it by, by bringing the natural world into and that we have to physically cooperate is one way in which people start to, to realize, oh yeah, he's just like me. Oh yeah, well, yeah, we'll share some food. There's no, no need to prove it, it happens. So I think anything that can encourage that would be helpful. The discussion of giving, it kind of brings up something that's sort of a, a really a major um, issue in, in the United States. Let's take, for example, conservatives accuse us liberals of really of disembodied giving, that, you know, the government will give money to people, and that's the extent of it, where conservatives think they are willing to get on the street and do things to help people. I mean, I've heard, I'm the liberal at work, and I've talked to conservatives, and this is really something that is raised, you know. Um, so I'm just wondering, 
if maybe there is something to what they're saying. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Most people have got something right. <clears throat> There's something about location that, that does earth and has a certain you know, effect, having a location. Um, well, not to say that the other isn't good too, but uh, that just put because it does put it into this this physicality, and that has a certain strengthening effect. <clears throat>